Hello. Can you hear me? Perfect. So uh, we're about to do our children's activities, but first of all, yeah, do take a seat, do take a seat. Uh, Peter is going to read us the Bible story, and I'm going to put down a mat on the floor, and I'm going to ask all the children, so if you're still at primary school or younger than that, to come and take a seat, ready to listen to the story, and then we're going to go straight off to do the activities. Okay? Uh, So this morning's Bible reading is taken from uh, the book of Matthew, and it's from chapter 18. Um, If you'd like to follow along, adults uh, and children alike, you can find it in the Pew Bibles on page 985. That's page 985. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 uh, to 35. Everybody sitting comfortably. Fantastic. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the the settlements, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The the servant's master took pity on him and cancelled all of the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him only 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? In anger, his master turned, over, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if all the children, if you'd like to come and join me and Emily, we're going to do some fun activities in the chapel to the side, that way. If you'd like to follow Emily. Jump up and head that way. So Lord, would you speak into each one of our lives now as we, as we look at what it means to forgive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hopefully you've got a sheet of paper when you, when you came in. We'll, we'll look at that a bit later on as we, as we go through this morning. I want to speak this morning about the theme of forgiveness. And... I was thinking about this, and in particular, forgiveness when it comes to forgiving people in the church. 
Because as I read the Bible, what I find is that I find that forgiveness keeps coming up. That, that we are told as a church to forgive one another. And I keep thinking, you know, over and over again, this story comes up in the Bible. And I'm thinking, why is that? Why is this? Is it a problem in the church? Was it a problem in the, in the, in the early church? And so on. Is it a problem now in the church? And so forgiveness for me is a really key area of, of, of church life. As you know, I've spent all my life in the church, which means I've seen a church right from being a child, right the way through youth, almost now to middle age. So I know how much this is an issue in the church. So much so that this particular teaching block that we're looking at is all about relationships in the church. And there's nothing like relationships in the church more than any other body that run right the way very deep. And particularly in this particular passage, Jesus spends nearly half the time talking about this issue of forgiveness. So it's a really crucial area to to think about. And it must have been a crucial area because Peter asks Jesus a question. If you don't know who Peter was, he was perhaps Jesus' most famous disciple. And he asked Jesus a question. He said, Jesus, suppose someone else in the church does something bad to me. How How often should I forgive him? Should I forgive him once? Or maybe should I forgive him twice? Or maybe three times or four times? Or maybe even seven times? And then Jesus says, no, not seven times, Peter. Seventy-seven times. You see, in other words, what Jesus was saying, he wasn't saying that literally you count up until a person has wronged you 77 times and then you don't have to forgive them anymore. Jesus wasn't saying that. What he was saying was this. He was saying there is no number. He was saying there is no limit to, to God's forgiveness for, for each one of us. And that can be sometimes hard to hear when someone says something about you and you find out about it. Or when someone does something bad to you in the church and Jesus says that you forgive. You know, it can be a hard subject for some of us, some of us to deal with because as C.S. Lewis once said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And so Jesus wants to talk to us this morning about what forgiveness looks like in his kingdom. If you like what forgiveness looks like in this place where he is king. And so he tells this story, a story of a king, a king who has lots of slaves. And each of those slaves owes the king money. And the king's decided, right, it's time to cash in all those debts. And so he comes to one particular slave and the king says to that particular slave, right, you owe me money. If you want to know how much money the slave owed, it's stupid money. You know when you play the game of Monopoly and you have all this money and you think, I wish I had all this money in life. You know when you've got, you've just about won the game and you've got all the money. That's how much money the slave owed the king. It was stupid money. And so the king says, 
I want my money. And obviously the slave can't repay the money. And so the king says to the slave, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children and all your possessions until the debt has been repaired. The debt could never be repaired because he owed stupid money. And so what does the slave do? He pleads with the king. He begs with the king he, to the king. He gets down on his knees and says, please, I'll pay it one day. And the king is so moved by pity for the slave that what does he do? He releases him from the debt. He forgives the debt. And then the story moves on. Because then we read the forgiven slave goes out of the presence of the king and meets a fellow slave. And this fellow slave owes the forgiven slave some money. How much money does he owe? Well, it's like the equivalent of a pound coin. It's nothing. But for this particular slave who has nothing, he can't repay it at the moment when the forgiven slave kind of gets hold of his neck and says, pay me back my money now. And so the slave begs and pleads and says, I can't pay it at the moment, but I promise that I'll repay it. And then what happens? What does the forgiven slave do? He throws his fellow slave in prison until the debt has been repaired. Meanwhile, all the other slaves have seen what's happened. They've seen how forgiving the king has been and how unforgiving the forgiven slave has been. And they're hurt by this. They're distressed. They know what's gone on and they can see the injustice of what has happened. And so what they then do is they go and tell the king what's happened. And the king demands that the forgiven slave come to him. And wants to know exactly what's gone on. And why this forgiven slave who's been forgiven so much has been so unforgiving towards his fellow slave over just a small matter. And the king withdraws his forgiveness. He throws the slave into prison and it doesn't end too well for him. Because that's the thing about unforgiveness, isn't it? Kind of like often in the end, the only person who suffers is the person who doesn't forgive because it eats away at you. It consumes you because forgiveness, as Jesus would say, is actually an issue of the heart. It was Archbishop Desmond Tutu who said this, there is no future without forgiveness. There is no future without forgiveness. He was saying that at the end of the apartheid regime in South Africa, but he would say this, there is no future without forgiveness. And you know, if we just think of that one statement, there is no future without forgiveness, it encapsulates, doesn't it, big picture Christianity and little picture Christianity in one sentence. There is no future without forgiveness. You know, we, we never understand or we never get big picture Christianity unless each of us understands the debt that each of us owes to God. You know, otherwise Christianity just becomes a set of rules and it's no wonder that people find it boring. But we never get big picture Christianity unless each of us understands 
that each of us owes a debt to God that none of us could repair. Because big picture Christianity, if you like, tells this story. As you can see, I got an A star in my A-level art. This, this is a heart. This is God's heart. This is God's heart for each one of us. It's big. It's huge. Because the story of big picture Christianity talks about how God created this world and how he created each one of us as perfection. And big picture Christianity tells the story of how much God loves each one of us and how he just wanted to pour his love into each one of us. But big picture Christianity also tells another story. It tells a story, if you like, of us. This is, if you like, our hearts. Because we did not want to love God in the way that he loved us. And that's why all the bad things big picture Christianity tells us happen in our world because at the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And so big picture Christianity talks about how much God loved each one of us. That in the end, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And it was, if you like, his act of dying for us on the cross his act of dying for us on the cross that actually repaired the debt that we owed to God that was how forgiveness happens and that we never understand big picture Christianity unless we know and received God's forgiveness you see, in that way, when we, when we think about big picture Christianity, we've got to understand two words. By and for. We've got to understand that the cross was done by us. That each one of us put Jesus on that cross. But also, we've got to understand that the cross is done for us. That even if we'd been the only person alive, Jesus would have still died for us. That is big picture Christianity that talks of how much God loves us. But there is no future without forgiveness also tells the story of little picture Christianity. Little picture Christianity, if you like, is this. We say it in the most famous prayer in the world. Forgive us our sins or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. We forgive those who sin against us. Or as Jesus, or as Paul would say, forgive one another as God forgave you. You know, when I think of what Jesus did for us on the cross, I, I start to think about it and I start to think, well, listen, how has Jesus, how has God forgiven me? Has he forgiven me just a little bit? Or has he forgiven me all? Has he forgiven me? Is he slow to forgive? Or is he quick to forgive? Is his forgiveness just partial? Or is it complete? 
You know, think about those three thoughts. See, God was quick to forgive. It was a complete act. And not only that, he forgave everything. Absolutely everything. You see, there is no limit to God's forgiveness. And once we understand big picture Christianity, and once we understand what the cross has done for us, and that it's been done by us, we understand little picture Christianity. And another word, it's the word through. We actually understand little picture Christianity is all about how we are transformed through the cross by forgiving other people as we have been forgiven by God. And so, for each of us, what our challenge is in this area of forgiveness is to grow our hearts so that they become more like his heart. And so, here's how we do that this morning. If we take hold of our sheets and we look at this heart of forgiveness. You know, if we were to read the Bible from cover to cover, what we would find is this. We would find that the Bible would tell us that there are two things that we're to do with our hearts. We're to guard our hearts and we're to give our hearts. We're to guard our hearts. Why are we to guard our hearts? Because as Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, what that means is the heart is the control center of our lives. It means this. It means that whatever we do in our lives comes from what is in our hearts. As Jesus would say in his story, your ability to forgive is related to the condition of your heart. And so we are to to guard our hearts. Why are we to guard them? Because the heart is so easily to be corrupted. So easy. We know this all in our lives. So we need to guard ourselves against unforgiveness, resentment, retaliation, revenge. Because each of those things damages our heart. And then we're told to, we're to give our hearts. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. In other words, what that means is that we give ourselves to what Jesus was like. So we give ourselves to forgiveness. We give ourselves to mercy, to pity, to compassion. Because that's what Jesus would have done. And what we find is some people are very good at guarding their hearts and not very good at giving their hearts. And vice versa. And we've got to learn to do both. And so I want to leave you with four simple steps this morning of what we can do to just learn to be more forgiving as people. Because I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. You know, sometimes we hear stories in the news, don't we? Or we'll watch them. And some people have some terrible things committed against them. And you know what I'm talking about. And some people are able to forgive. And some people can't. 
And sometimes some of us have some very big things that happen to us. And we have to learn to forgive. And if we want to think about how you can actually forgive big, you have to start small. Because that's, that's how it works. And so I want to give you four simple practices that we can, that we can do, that we could start, that will help us to improve our hearts and will help us to be more forgiving. Actually, if you think about this and if you apply it, it doesn't just apply to forgiveness. It applies to loads of different things in our lives. So here's the first one. The first one I put down is called journal. What's a journal? A journal is a book. It's a book that tells the story of your life with God. And if you like, imagine God asking you this question. Ian, how's your heart? And you responding to God. You know, I was, I was doing this last Wednesday because I thought I'm going to try this out in one area. And so I thought, right, well, God, I feel a bit tired, actually, if I'm honest. I've done all that traveling, going to see my mom and with my auntie last week. I feel tired. I feel a bit frantic. I feel a bit rushed. I feel a bit on edge. I feel a bit tired. I feel a bit stressed. And then there's the next question. Well, what do you need to guard your heart from? You see, for me, all those very things was the things that I needed to guard my heart from. And then imagine God asking you this question, what do you need to give your heart to? And you know, asking those three questions was tremendously liberating and actually releasing for me. Here's the the second one. Gratitude. Thankful people are forgiving people. There is a direct correlation. Show me a thankful person and I'll show you a forgiving person and vice versa. You know, daily saying thank you to God for all that he has done for you and all that he has given you is tremendously freeing when it comes to forgiveness because we have been given and God has done so much to us. Here's how we know this, because we live in a world of entitlement where if something goes wrong, you're encouraged to get even. That's the world that we live in. It's a world of entitlement. It does not aid forgiveness. And actually being thankful grows forgiveness. Here's the third one, confession. Every day, my prayer at some stage to God will involve saying sorry to him. It will involve saying sorry to him. Why do I do that? I do that not because God is stingy with his forgiveness. I do it because I'm terribly bad. And I need God's forgiveness. And through receiving that forgiveness, I'm healed, I'm changed, I'm transformed. And actually saying those daily things, I'm sorry to God, actually helps me to be more forgiving. Because I understand how bad I am. And then the fourth one is 
is identity. It's like this. Imagine me saying to God, I am Ian, the child God loves. You see, so many Christians, never mind so many people who aren't Christians, have a completely warped view of God that when we talk about God is love, they can't equate the two. Or turn it round and say, imagine God saying this to you. You are Ian, the child I love. Because that's how God sees each one of us. And once we get our identity in him right, it's so much easier to forgive. Why? Because our heart changes. And the condition of our heart impacts upon our ability to forgive. That's what Jesus' story was all about. Let us pray. So as we take this moment just to be quiet before the, the children join us back. Is there anyone we need to forgive this morning? Is there anyone now that Jesus would just bring into your mind? Lord, would you help each one of us to live out the words in your book to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.